Hi, I'm Chuck Fletcher. Hi, my name is Olivia Young, coach of the Flyers. Hey, I'm Travis Konechny. Hey, this is Jeremy Roenick. Hi, this is Travis Sanon. Hi, I'm Paul Hogan. Hey, I'm Scott Lawton. Hi, I'm Joel Fairby. Hi, this is Bob Clark. And you're listening to Snow the Goalie. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into Snow the Goalie, the only Flyers podcast, the People's Podcast, Players Podcast, Prognosticators Podcast, PDL Podcast, Pampers Podcast, the only Flyers podcast. And after a one-week absence, I'm glad to be back, joined as always by these two wonderful men, smiling, glowing faces if you're watching this over on YouTube on the Crossing Broad channel, or if you're just listening to it wherever you get your podcasts, Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter, at Ant San Philly, and of course, Bundy himself, Chris Terrian, who you can find on Twitter, at Terrian 6 Gentlemen, I love the show last week. I have to say it was a really, really informative episode. I did notice, though, that the runtime was a little bit shorter. So I guess this is my fault that the episodes go along. But it was a very enjoyable episode. No, no. Russ, you dragged the show on longer than it needs to be. Come on, now, pal. Yeah, you're being a little too hard on yourself. I did try to bring a little Hogan into the show at the opener of last (laughs) week. I did hear that. The brother. It was yeah. good. I, I liked it. So it was I very just had good. to bring that. I had to bring it in in your absence. So, uh, you know, I, yeah, I, listen, I'm a wrestling fan. Don't tell anyone, but I am. All right. And actually, I was actually oh, in another so much- wrestling. Yeah. In the late 90s, probably some of the biggest heroes you had in hockey, we would cramp ourselves into a room of 10 or 12 guys and we'd be watching Monday Night Raw every single Monday if we were on the road. It was hilarious. I got, so I got what a, you're saying is what you're saying is you're going to go up to Queens with me next week to go uh, see AEW uh, Dynamite, the Grand Slam at Arthur Ashe Stadium. I see the I see the a, cringe. That would be there. a negative on that course, Rider. <laughs> what a sad, what a sad thing. I I, I got to no. tell you the, the the saddest. I was a wrestling fan as a kid, and the saddest moment I ever had. We were flying to Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina, for vacation, and they I'm had walking planes with when my, you were a kid. I know, right? And I was walking through the airport with my family, and there were all the WWF wrestlers. I guess they were connect. They were, they had just done a show. We were connecting through Charlotte for some reason, and they had just done a show in Charlotte and they were flying out, but it was like the good guys and the bad guys were like mingling together and just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, hamming it up. And I was a, I was a kid, I was th- 12, 13 years old. And I was sitting there going, Oh my God, but they're not supposed to be friends. And it like, it like, scarred me for life that, that these guys were hanging out in the airport after beating the hell out of each other the night before don't tell anybody but they're actually <laughs> friends and they eat dinner together too <laughs> by god these men have taken away all of the kayfabe not good yeah by god all right so we have a lot to get into on this week's show i promise there won't be much more wrestling talk although I know we do have a large number of listeners who were picking up on the uh, original hints when we were building the NWO references about the third man, who, of course, for those of you who are new to the show or who might have taken the offseason off, don't worry. Chris Terrian is here as a permanent third member of the Snow the Goalie podcast, and we're going to be leaning on his unique insight on a number of topics today. So, guys, I guess there's nothing better than to get right into it. We have a couple of things that are, I guess, pressing news items. One of them is the fact that rookie camp starts this weekend. We've talked about this in the past. We don't really care. We're not going down there to cover it. Kind of a waste of everyone's time. But training camp itself is starting up very soon. And as part of that, the NHL announced that the media will actually have access to the locker room again, which means Anthony and I 
Bundy, you as well. We can all make scrum lurkers again, which is really the number one reason anybody gets credentialed to go cover a team in professional sports. Um, Anthony and I have gone down this road many times before about the importance of having locker room access. Bundy, from your perspective, because you were a former player, you have also happened to work in the media. Uh, wanted to kind of do a little bit of a dive here on the importance of locker room access, but from the perspective of a player, how different is the feeling as a player to have media members that you can talk to on the side, away from the cameras, versus like what the players have done the last couple of years, which is meet with everybody on a very brief Zoom call? Yeah, and you know what? I think it's a good decision, guys, by the league, you know, and especially after considering the first two weeks where you see, uh, you know, 70, 80, 100,000 people stomped into an NFL stadium or a college football stadium. Uh, what do, why wouldn't they have access, right? Like, I mean, if that's the way it is. So, I mean, to me, I, my eyes aren't the ones that are, are telling me any lies. I see what I see on TV. So if you can't have allow the, the – first of all, as a player – uh, I was the guy, you know, after road games, I'd go around with the mic in the locker room when I was working for, um, for NBC, uh, Philadelphia, I'd go around and interview the guys, hold the mic, sometimes ask questions, maybe hold it for someone else who just was asking a question so we'd get some info. I always felt like the players uh, in that situation, if, if you were, you know, had more access, like I'd get a one-on-one -on -one with Voracek all the time. And he'd throw an F-bomb in and I'd laugh, you know, I'd laugh my ass off because it was funny and it, and it but it allowed him to open up, right, to somebody he felt comfortable with. When you're on these Zoom calls, it's a joke. Like, I mean, other than who was it? Was it, like, was it Jake maybe a couple of years ago before the thing where he, like, I think he said something to one reporter. But that's about the most drama you get, like, where he called somebody, like, a little weasel or something. But when you're yeah. behind the Zoom call and all you're looking at is a camera, you're not going to really give anybody the same material you'd get if you're there one-on-one -on -one in front of them when they're face-to-face -face because that's – you know, that's just, that's human contact. That's being on a personal level. I personally think guys, and I watched a lot of them last year, when you do the, these Zoom videos at the end, guys don't care. They just want to get out of there as fast as they can. Uh, they don't, they're going to give you a different kind of answer because they really feel, again, there's no human contact. Let me give this guy the most vanilla answer I can possibly give, especially after a loss. Let's get the hell on the bus and get out of here. Yeah, and, and I think, it, you know, if, if you remember back to your playing days, you know, when, when we would come into the into the locker room and I'm not just talking about after a game. I mean, I mean, after practice was even the better time to really kind of talk to you guys. There were conversations that we would have, Bundy, that would go on for 20 minutes that I'm not standing there holding a recorder and, you know, recording the entire thing. But we're just talking, talking life, talking hockey, talking whatever. And it and, and you learn like for me, you learn a lot as a, as a reporter from the player. And I think in turn it gives the, the player a little bit more of a comfort level having a conversation with said media member, correct? Yeah. And, and that, that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, you know, how many guys over the years, and you know what's something when I look back at is, as, a, uh, as a player, I wish I were a little bit more accessible to the media, a little bit better to the media. You know, and I say that now, I wasn't a bad, like, wasn't bad to them. Right. I made a lot of friends, like everybody that's been here when I was a player, I get along with them all great. But I think at that same time, I mean, if you, if you look at the history of like players and media, the guys that are the best to the media are the guys that somehow have the best ride. And no matter what team you're on, I mean, I mean, Howard Cosell and Ali made each other, right? Just be having a great off the dynamic relationship. Right. Michael Jordan, when you watch that show, The Last Dance, I mean, it was captivating watching how he almost manipulated the media 
but certainly had them in his corner, even during tough times. So, you know, again, I, you know, I, and I wasn't a kind of guy that everybody wanted to talk to after the end of the game, right. I was a defensive defenseman and uh, you know, there's no points or big power play plays, but you know, again, if, if I, if I would go back and, and we're different a player in an era today, I would, I would be a lot better with the, with the media of any kind uh, because I think it's important. And I also think that, you know, you could get a lot, you could make a lot of hay with the guy trying to tell your story of who you are, maybe as a player, as a person, that'll help the fan base understand that a little bit also. So I always feel now, and I think it's uh, maybe developed as I became more in the media over the years, I did a lot, so much stuff for the Flyers, uh, you know, over the years, but you, you can be, uh, uh, you, you know, we're all, when you're on one side, you're always trying to do a job for somebody to try to make the players look as good as they can, or the coaches staff. And sometimes that's a challenge. But I, I, I mean, there's no question, guys, having, having access like this is, is, is far better for the media and, and really for the player as well. And I hope they understand that. Yeah, we only wanted to talk to you when it was time to play against Yager, right? That's <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> Which was usually like a playoff series. But then I had to go there and be like, oh, I'm just going to do my job. And, you know, <laughs> hope it works out. <laughs> so one of the things that you mentioned was the vanilla answers. And it seems like nowadays, more than any time before, players in every league it, and it's not just a hockey thing it's it's any typically more along the lines of the top players the first round pick kind of guys where there's pr training that's done at a very young age to deflect and to really not answer the question to not give anything so that it's misconstrued on social media or in a post um when you think of it through that lens i guess is it something that a young player should be concerned with like is the the fact that like a number of the, let's say the guys that are being relied on a little bit more this year, that are some of those younger players that have spent the last year and a half, not having to answer questions in person that haven't had to stand in front of a camera that haven't had the media scrum around them. Uh, is it a potentially bad thing for them to have to go back in and really have a social interaction with the media? Do they run the risk of saying something they shouldn't say? You know, again, and I look at like, you know, I look back at like the history of, of, of uh, you know, I, I think anybody, anybody that talks to the media to me should just be themselves. I mean, like, what's the worst thing coming out of it? I mean, if you're a player, just be honest about who you are and what you see. I mean, listen, this is just hockey, right? Like, I know there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And yeah, I have a million stories and I will share almost all of them over time here. But those are behind the scenes stories. The stuff that, you know, I've seen it so much with the Philadelphia Flyers. That's why we said, guys, they were paying me not to speak rather than what I'm doing. <laughs> uh, but you know what? No, but I, I always feel like a player, the more integrity he has about it. But again, it's hockey. Like, you know, did I make a bad play? Either you did or you didn't, right? Like it, most of the time the fans know anyway and, and management knows. But I, I, I don't think that there's a problem, you know, talking to a guy like uh, anybody for that matter, trying to find out what, what his thoughts are in a game, but you are right though, Russ, it's always the, you know, the star players that get it. I mean, listen, I've been in a room with Giroux for years. He doesn't ever want to talk to the media. I mean, he's the captain. And I would say more times than not more times than not, not even close, probably 70, 30, 75, 25, where his name would be on the board after. And it was like a big game. And I'm thinking to myself, well, who did this? Well, it's one of the media. It's probably like, you know, Joe or somebody that says, Oh, he doesn't want to talk tonight. Well, it was a four-three overtime win. Why won't the captain make himself available? Because he hates talking to the media. He's not comfortable with it. He's not good at it, and that's the truth. But that's his personality, right? So he shouldn't have to be uh, vilified necessarily for that. But at the same time, if you're the captain, you have to give a little bit more than 
you know, we're, we're playing good hockey and, uh, you know, we're, we're coming along. You got to be better than that. Does the social media world change things with these guys? You think, I mean, cause I, you know, you go back and look pre Twitter with the conversations that we used to have in locker rooms were so much different and so much more open than they are nowadays. Yeah. And I think one of the big things guys too, that I just, you know, when you mentioned that Anthony is that a lot of stuff now with social media puts guys in more of a personal level where, you know, they're saying to themselves. So for me, for example, you know, I, I always looked at myself as kind of a, just an ordinary guy, you know, in the area, I have kids, if they do well with their sports, you know, I'll put it out there. If some event happened, you know, I, I'll, I have no problem sharing a family, uh, um, you know, event that happened or something I'm proud of. But I think a lot of things now with guys, if they're really at the high end of the social media spectrum, I think they feel like it's almost an invasion of privacy now because a lot of things where the media come in, it wasn't at one time it was just about hockey. You know, you talk about the hockey things or where the guy came from, how hard he worked to get here. Now you can actually talk about some guy's interests off the ice. And I think that does drive people away a little bit, the athlete. Mm-hmm. Because unless you're really into that and you really want to do a big bit of self-promotion, we're using social media to go beyond what the athletics are. I don't really think that that, I think that a lot of players are vigilant about that. And I think that they actually, I think they want to keep away from that because that that's where the dynamic has gone to more of a personal level. Some guys really don't want to talk about their families and, and their personal lives. So there's one thing that stands out to me. This is from a couple of years ago. I covered like the Philadelphia Union one year. And, and one of the things that they did as an organization that I, I think is probably commonplace in a lot of a lot of team sports is as part of like their daily check in prior to practice, the guys would not only talk about their physical health and anything that they might have been carrying, like any kind of injuries, knocks that, that they had going into practice. So the coaches were aware, but also like the off off the field stuff. And in this case, the off the ice, ice stuff. So like. For example, at least one or two players since the last time we've been in locker rooms have had the birth of a child or have had to spend time away from a child as part of quarantine or, you know, just COVID protocols. When when I think about getting access to the locker room again, I think about those side conversations that you have that allow you to have a little bit more context, because it seems like from the most part this past year, the only real insight that you could provide as a member of the media who was writing about a team is specifically what you were able to see either from the press box at home games or on TV for away games. But you're missing that very critical something's going on in this player's life that they might not want to go public with like a Travis Konechny whose girlfriend had a baby. Like he might not want to come out and say, I've only been getting three hours of sleep. The baby's having a hard time, this, that, and the other thing. And it is, it's impacting me right now. He's not going to go on a Zoom call and say that. But if you pull him off to the side and you talk about that aspect of life, that at least as a writer gives you a little bit of context and gives you a little bit more information about what could be causing a player's rut. Do you agree with that general premise? I do. But, you know, but again, you know, I go back to the part where um, I I don't know. You know what? I never I was never afforded that luxury per se. So I'm not really in in a spot to say like, Oh boy, you know, he's, he's doing really well by it. Uh, you know, he, he's having a, a tough time by it. You know, it just depends from that standpoint. So I don't, I don't know, you know, I think, yeah, for you, Russ, if that's the question and you know, and, and, and I think that's the part where some people say to themselves, um, how would it affect that one person? Right? Like how, how is he driven by that? And maybe it would make him feel good that someone would know, but ultimately, 
you know, you're a hockey player. You know, no one ever said to me when my first kid was born, oh, you know, you're only getting three hours of sleep a night. And or I never, I never came out and said that. I mean, that's night before a game, you should be getting proper rest. You have a kid in, that's your job, right? So I'm not, I'm not here to, to, to say what's right or what's wrong by it, but it's just, it's a little odd in a sense for us, but I do understand the personal dynamic. And that's why I'm a fan of having people in that locker room, just to be able to have a guy come up and, and be able to trust you to say something and whether and what you do with that information is, is privy to you. See, I look at it also on the inverse as well. Like the, the concern may be from the perspective of the fan who questions whether or not like the media is trying to be best friends with the player is that knowing a bit of information like that, the away from the ice stuff might lead the media to pull a punch that, you know, if the on ice product is disastrous, that knowing there's that, that little bit of context could lead to that media member not writing their story as critically. So I don't know, like to me, it's kind of a, it's a juggling act. It really is the ultimate scale balance. And your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I will I, I agree with you a little bit, Russ, there. And, and I will say this, and, and I think Bundy will agree with me. There were certain guys who probably got away with more than others in the, as far as the media was concerned just because they were good with us. Fair to say. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, certain guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, if somebody makes a mistake, you're going to still say they made a mistake. But maybe we won't be as critical because they're they're good guys they are always open. They're always honest. They're always going to tell us what's going on. Whereas someone who would be a little bit more dismissive of the media would probably fall under get under get a little bit more scrutiny put to their game because they're not give, they're not as giving of information. And I think that that's a fair thing. And just because that's that's the nature of relationships between yeah. It's human the writers and the players. Yeah. Right? And that's exactly what I was saying about the human nature part of it. You know, when you're talking to somebody, you can't really recreate that. So that, you know, and again, like I, I use him as an example, but like Jake Voracek, when he was accessible and available and he was in a good mood, he was as good an interview as you could get. Yeah. Right. And I think even though he's gone right now, I think a lot of people appreciated that honesty or at least that the way he came about with, you know, com complete conviction and what he believed in, whether you believed in it or not. At least he said it. I always think, guys, honesty is just is always the best way to be. The truth will set you free, whether you're the player or the media. And I think when you develop that rapport with with a player and and, it, and you trust each other, I think that's a healthy thing. But also, you know, one where you you know the player can't be upset if he has a bad run of games, and that same media guy says, "Hey, you know, Jack's got to be better than he's been. He hasn't been good lately, right. or whatever it is." So right. you know, as long as but but again, as long as that reporter. That guy, that's the one part of, uh, that you don't get enough of as a player. When you're bad, you hear about it. But when you're really good, they should hear about it more also. Yeah. I do, I do, I do want to hear that. I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you on that. It, but you know, then, there, then there are those players who take advantage of that relationship that they've developed with the media. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. And I loved doing interviews with him just because you never knew what he was going to say next. But Pronger was a perfect example of that. Like, he yeah. knew how to play the media. He knew how to... He knew how to say certain things and get us to write certain things that had nothing to do with anything really. And, and, and that was like, he took that, he used that relationship that he had developed with us to his advantage, which he looked at as saying, this is an advantage for the team. You know, I, I, I look at the run in 2010 and he put everything on himself and put, and the spotlight was not on anybody else when the team was struggling. And I think that that's a, you know, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? I mean, I think it's, I think, I think it could be looked at both ways. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, and that was, uh, you know, it's a guy that that's, that's a top of the food chain player though, too. You know, like he was a, 
a Hart Trophy winner, Norris yeah, yeah. Trophy. So, I mean, when he, he was here, is that he was at the very end, you know, like in terms of getting older and stuff. So whatever he said, I mean, yeah, I remember that. I mean, the media was fawning all over them, you know, like Panache was, you know, he was in his glory and everything. And, uh, I remember that, but I do remember, you know, Prongs playing that well. But again, that's a guy that's had a, has been well adept at dealing with the media. Yeah. And the guy that was, you know, really, really good at it as well at experience. Yeah. So it, it's it's a unique well, it's a unique re- relationship I think between for sure media and, well, and players. It kind of highlights the dichotomy that exists between the way, especially that you know captains or top players also address this, right? Because now we've we've brought up Pronger, we brought up Giroux, and they take very different stances. They have very different ways that they interact with the media. Um, one thing that I think will be interesting is the media is not the only group of people who are going to be allowed in as this season progresses. Uh, Anthony, we got a little bit of information about fan attendance, uh, about, I believe, practices coming up at some point this season. You want to fill the people in because this obviously pertains specifically to them. One of the fans are going to be allowed to be in uh, Voorhees. Um, if they're, I think if they're vaccinated, correct? I mean, they have to have proof of vaccination or at least proof of a, a test um, from within the last three days if i remember correctly I, I you put me on the spot with this russ i don't remember checking that <laughs> yeah i know right um and and they have to be masked but they can attend um the training camp and practices at Voorhees. there just cannot be any interaction uh between player and and fans so there won't be any of the you know the autograph signing uh stuff that used to happen outside as the players were pulling out of the parking lot kind of stuff um that can happen. That won't happen. Uh, and even the, and, you know, even the media as well, um, cameramen are allowed to film, but they can't, they can only film from one side of the ice. They can't go over to the other side where the, where the players <laughs> benches are. I, hey, I'm just, hey, just reporting it. Right? You know, a Phillies game lately. <laughs> uh, I'm just saying. Um, so the, these are, these are the rules. Now they may change for regular season, but uh, this is the rules I think for camp. Um, and I think, hey, look, it's better than having nobody there. It's better than that practice facility being empty and there not being any, you know, any buzz about the team. Um, you know, if you want to pack, a, I mean, you know how it is, Bundy. They're, they're going to go over there first day of training camp. And that first day of training camp, there's going to be 1,200 people jammed into the skate zone, uh, shoulder to shoulder. They're going to be in there to watch the team practice just because that's what fans want to do they're 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 that passionate about the team and i think that once you see that it's going to be like okay now what you know now that we allowed that to happen can can we start to loosen some of these restrictions as the season progresses i I hope so or otherwise i think it becomes hypocritical well that's the old well (laughs) hypocrisy in in the way that things are being uh controlled and and allowed to happen is rampant especially in the city so, dude, I mean, I just go turn on a football game Saturday and tell me what, what you think of that. I love it. I mean, I, I love it too, but there's a hundred thousand people in these stadiums. How is that going to make a difference at the Flyers skate zone? <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, there's going to be an Eagles game Sunday. By the yeah. way, the Flyers team will probably be at that Eagles game amongst all the fans on Sunday as well. It's yeah. a tradition game. The team always goes to an Eagles game. Are they going to have a wall built around them so that COVID can't come get them at the stadium? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're 100 percent right. I mean, it's 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 crazy the con the conversations that we have to have about this anymore. 
It really well, is. I mean, we we talked about this when the policy was implemented in the city. And obviously that that's also subject to change by the time the flyer season rolls around. But like the notion that what was it more than a thousand people, I believe it was. If it was a seated event, you're totally fine to be unmasked outside. So a thousand people is about all that's going to show up to Citizens Bank Park from now until the end of the season anyway. But because they're they seated, had six, they they're, had 16, they're fine there last night. Yeah. Oh, Thank boy. Nice boy nice oh, boy. That's real <laughs> hunger for baseball here. You know, as you go down the playoff stretch mid-September, it's great. Um, versus if you were at like Made in America or at another concert outside and there were a thousand people, you got to mask up because everybody knows that COVID only spreads if you're standing, not if you're sitting. <laughs> so, I mean, thanks, Mayor Kenny. That's really brilliant. I was at a wedding in the city uh, this past weekend. And I have to tell you that like, whatever policies are supposed to be instituted right now by a lot of businesses either aren't being followed or are being followed by like a small percentage of people. Like we were at a brewery where the, the rules were you had to show that you were fully vaccinated to and wear a mask in common areas. But once you got into the venue itself, you could unmask. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I, I guess that makes sense, assuming that everybody has actually done what they're supposed to do. But then you would have to leave the actual venue itself to go use the bathroom and then mask back up where you're out mingling with everybody else who may or may not be vaccinated because I don't think they have to show proof of vaccination to get into a bar. So it's like, I get it. I get why there's like this notion of trying to like still implement policies. But when you think of that, even at that level and the fact that Anthony was at Citizens Bank Park, you can be unmasked at your seat. But if you like go down to a common area or to a bathroom, you have to wear a mask. Correct. It's like, I mean, okay. I've been but, to two, but then nobody puts a mask on. Nobody anyway. does. No, there's you're no, right. But then I like, there's no mask at all in a Phillies game. Maybe three or four. So I had that day we were there. Yeah. You, you were with your dad and, and yeah. we just each other. There was 44,000 people. I didn't see four masks. Yeah. And we walked into, we walked into the, um, uh, the whatchamacallit, the, the store to, um, I wanted to get my dad a hat. And when we went into the store, which is technically inside, there's nobody masked up in there either. So, no. I mean, it's I actually ate a nobody's following any rules with a mask on, <laughs> which which is why this this policy at Skate Zone is going to be interesting, too, because media who want to get in even to stand upstairs, not even to like go down to the locker room to have access, have to be fully vaccinated, have proof of full vaccination and wear masks the entire time. The, the team put out that all of the players, the coaches, the, the staff, everyone is going to be fully vaccinated by the start of the season, which to me is like on one hand is good news, right? Because then that would sort of indicate that there's going to be an openness, a willingness to make things a little bit more normal than they used to be or, or than they have been over the last year and a half. And at the same time, it's like, well, if everybody, and this is where I'm sure there will be heat on Twitter, but like, cause this is, I guess, a crazy take, but like, if you know that in your, in your bubble, in your ecosystem, that all of the media people who are going to cover the team are fully vaccinated. All of the players are vaccinated. All of the coaches are vaccinated. Everybody from the organization who might come in contact with anybody is fully vaccinated. Isn't that like the whole, I, I now consider myself a bitter vaccinated person. Like I, I feel like that is a, a growing group of people who were told get the vaccine, life goes back to normal, or it's at least somewhat close. You look at this and now it's like, all right, we have all these people, but we're going to, we're going to mask up. Even I guess when we're sitting in the press box down to cover this team, and then just wear the same mask into the locker room. Like, I, I don't know. I, I can't wrap my head around the whole thing. I'm trying. I'm genuinely trying. But it just seems a little bit odd to me. Got to protect the vaccinated. <laughs> You're right. right is that the, the point of it, though? Yeah. Right? That's what we All were right. told. Yeah. yeah. 
I mean, that's what we were told. So I guess we'll see. We might have just had a few people tune out. We got some people who were like rage quit the podcast. Well, that's all right. Um, we're going to get some more people to tune out next. Why don't you talk about the, the tweet that the Flyers put out the other day? Well, OK, so this is the thing. So I caught heat because um, on 9-11, the Flyers Twitter account put out this tweet that had the picture of the Twin Towers, uh, very faded in the background, and then had three players in the foreground, uh, no opacity, as it were. <laughs> Um, including Kevin Hayes, Joel Farabee, and I believe James Van Riemsdyk. And it was weird. Like, I thought the tweet was strange. I looked at it and I was like, this, this feels off. Like when you compared it to some other teams, like Carolina, for example, had the picture of the, uh, the ice with the American flag on it and had a thing about like remembering those who were lost. And to me, like, that's the easiest thing, right? The 9-11 tweet should be simple. It should be like rinse, repeat every year. American flag. Maybe a picture from the first game played after 9-11 or, or at one of like the honor, the first responders night or something like that. It should, it, there should be no controversy. And instead, what happened was the Flyers put this image out, which made no sense to me. Genuinely made no sense. Like the Twin Towers faded in the background. If you wanted to go with the orange hue, fine. You could you could do that if that's the way that you want to go. OK, if you wanted to have that and then maybe have like a picture of first responders, of police, of EMS crews, uh, fire crews. Sure. You want to have a picture or a video from the game itself. The first game played by the flyers after nine 11. Fine. Why the hell did they superimpose Joel Farabee? Who was like one year old when nine 11 happened, James Van Riemsdyk and Kevin Hayes, who just lost his brother. What the hell sense does that make other than the fact that they're American born players to me, it was just a weird thing. Tone deaf is what some people called it. For me, it's just like it's it's something that like should have been so easy to just put out. And instead, like, I don't know, it's almost like you're promoting the team while also paying homage to 9-11. It's like, do we have no shame? What the hell? Bundy, you were you were really nice on Twitter about it. <laughs> Dude, I saw that. And, you know, it's funny when I went down and saw it, I saw like the whiteness of, of the and I'm like, what is that? What are the players? Then you couldn't see the towers. By the way, somebody went on and they put more of a hue of orange to the, the towers now. Yeah. And I thought to myself, how repugnant is that? Yeah. Like, you know what? You should, they should ask people and seriously get people that were maybe older than two years old at the time to start doing these tweets. I went, so we, here's why I was so pissed off at that stupidity was because I went, we went down there, the game against the Rangers, of course, everything was canceled, right? The, the, the night that the, the, the Pentagon, the towers, I mean, it was a day that we'll never forget, I truly never forget. And a couple of weeks after they rescheduled the game and I had told Bill Barber at the time, we had a couple of cops with us and I said, let's go, is there any way we could get close? Just, to, I think everybody's interests were peaked, maybe going down and saying a prayer, um, and we drove down to lower Manhattan. We had a couple police cars that escorted us here. And when I got off that bus guys that day, the smell, uh, the destruction, the look on the people's faces that were cleaning up what they'd gone through, uh, soot still on the mud, dirt, everything all over. And I thought to myself that that would be, um, in, ingrained in my head forever. What I saw there and what the sacrifice that those New York first responders were putting out. And I saw this tweet where they promoted themselves through the worst tragedy this country's ever had. 
pathetic. It was mm -hmm. so pathetic. I didn't even know. I, I was disgusted with it. And I know people say to you, oh, everybody looks to go after somebody for their salutes now. Well, when you make one like that, I hope you're going to get a lineup of people questioning it because it had nothing to do with that day. You put three American-born players and you made it about a, a, a tragedy about the Philadelphia Flyers. Awful. Just it was awful. it was terrible. It was terrible. And I had suggested to Russ Bundy that if they wanted to do something like that, why not put the make the image the image of six days later, you guys standing on the ice shoulder to shoulder with the New York Rangers looking up at the screen when President, then President Bush was giving his speech and you guys were standing there shoulder to shoulder together. Yeah. Like if you want to put that image with the Twin Towers behind it and you say we will never forget, that's what we'll never forget. I mean, I, I covered that game and I'll never forget covering that game there, it, because, of, because it was so unique and so it was such a shared experience by, I don't know, there was maybe 13,000 people at the preseason game you guys on the ice and then us in the press box. And we were all just in it together. And like, to me, that's an image that would have worked, but to promote players on your current team to, to, to use that on the cup on, on front of the two twin towers, that is as, as tone deaf and as despicable a promotion as I've seen in, in years. And, and, and the other problem, like guys, like, you know, it's funny that night we, in that same night where we played a preseason game, I remember, I think we wore the FDNY jersey yeah. and, and the Rangers wore the uh, NYPD. Right. right. I mean, this whole night was a ceremony. Uh, uh, it was a pre it was a makeup preseason game, but it was really about saluting those people in New York, first responders, firemen, police officers. Um, that's why it just triggered me so bad when I saw it. And I'm just thinking, God, have we come this far that we're this dumb? Like we're making stuff up like this. And I just, and that was all about the city of New York for me and at the time and, and uh, what they'd gone through. And man, it was, it, it's, it, you know, it's funny. I had a smell that day. It, was, it wasn't the only player after we visited, we didn't really visit. We drove down there and all day I had this smoky, musky taste in my mouth all day. I couldn't, wouldn't come out. A couple other players saying Jody Hall was one. And so we were waiting to go out under the ice that, that night. And you talk about impactful, like things that where you're like, Oh my God, like, I can't imagine. And two police officers were there. And both guys, a couple of guys were talking like, God, I got that taste in from going down like this smell. And the two police officers said, guys, we had it as well last week. It's, 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 it's all the burning stuff and it's human burn as well, because your bodies and minds have never smelt that before. So it stays in you longer. He goes, it happened to us last week. And I, that impacted me so much that that's mm -hmm. how close and how real it was. Um, I just, heartbreaking sadness and that's why it just pissed me off so much guys yeah I, well, and like and, go ahead and go ahead, go ahead no, i just think that the team needs to be better and you know, i know we got complaints you know we heard i mean i heard it first russ and then you heard it secondary you know because you're the one who handles the snow the goalie twitter account and um most and of so, the time but yeah mo yeah and so i so i think that you know you know we've we got a, we got complaints that 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 tweet was put out but i mean uh, you know if you really sit there and take the time to reflect on the decision that was made. It's, it's okay to say, you know what? We screwed this one up. Mm -hmm. It's we shouldn't, we should have been better. We, we didn't think it through all the way. It was obviously was not intended to, you could come out and say it was not intended to be a promotional thing. I know it came, we know it came across that way. That was, that was our mistake. We'll be better next time. And you know what happens? 
people like us don't talk about it on the on the show. But to sit there and to to put it out and then be upset with us that we're that we're pointing out that it's bad means that you're doubling down on it. And at that and when you're doubling down on it, that means that you really haven't thought about it. Or if you did, then you thought about it and said, we still did this right. I mean, the only thing that would have been worse is if they would have put freaking gritty on that picture. That would have been the only thing that could have been even worse oh, than putting the three players would be putting. Surprise he wasn't on it. Honestly, God, I'm surprised he wasn't on it. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so that, that's why I have a real problem with it because they had an opportunity to say, yeah, you know what? It was unintentional. Yeah, we probably could have done it a little bit better. And then none of us would have had us. We wouldn't really talk about it. But the fact that they doubled down on it, that's what pisses me off. That's where I got. That's where it became bad for me. Well, and here's the thing for comparison, right? Because we want to be fair. We're fair and objective. We're fair and balanced. We report, you decide. When you go through a number of Twitter accounts, I'm talking Carolina, Columbus, Vancouver, both New York teams, New New York City teams. When you talk about New Jersey, when you talk about like Florida, Tampa Bay, uh, did I say Vancouver and Calgary? Because I pulled them up as well. When you go back and and you take a look at their 9-11 posts, there's one thing that really stands out. There are no current players featured in their 9-11 post it's either the american flag on the ice it's an image of the the lights representing the twin towers it's something simple like that the only team that i saw a player featured was i believe messier with the rangers wearing the the fdny helmet with the the picture of the um the firefighter who perished that's the one. You know who can do that? A team in New York City yep. that had to directly deal with the tragedy. It's the only one that I saw that had any kind of player at all. And by the way, that is a very, that's, a, that's an image that hits you, okay? People get paid a lot of money to run social media accounts or to, to work in communications or to do creative for things like this, for professional sports teams. There are a number of layers that any image that goes out has to go through, that has to go through for approval. The fact that there were that many people who from conceptualizing the image to putting the image together, to passing it along, to getting approval from however many people needed to before it went up, for that to go up is just not okay. And for the people who look at it and say that we're just making a mountain out of a molehill, I'm sorry, but like, no. It's not it's unacceptable. And, it's unacceptable. Yeah. and I wish it were. I wish that we could just say that this is us trolling the organization or this is us, you know, making a big deal out of it because we just wanted to complain about something. But it's not. And to me, it's like. I just I, slap in the face is kind of how it feels. Well, it's sad. And, that and it's and it's, it's, and sad it's that stupid. We're, it's well, sad yeah. that we're 20 years later and it's and it still doesn't hit certain people again that's what's sad to me barely born yeah kevin hayes just lost his brother and you're featuring him on this i just don't get it go with like if you're gonna if you're gonna promote the team if you're gonna do something that promotes anything fine but make it from when it happened make it that lasting image of the rangers and flyers on the ice go that way this was just silly and it was stupid. And it created, even in the smallest way, it created a controversy with something that didn't need to be controversial. So do better, I guess, is the message. All right. 
You were Let's say go money? to. No, money was going to say something. No, no, I, I good, good points, guys. This was yeah. disappointing, you know. I and especially for I, you know, Anthony, you were around the team then too. Which, mm-hmm. Just there's ingrained memories, things that have st- stayed in my head because of my experience as a player and having been close to what I saw down there. And we saw the Pentagon too. It just, it just, it hit home. Um, and you know what's funny now? I have two guys in my life, two friends of mine that had lost brothers that worked at Cantor Fitzgerald, the brother and a father, the, the friends I have. I mean, I mean it just, uh, you know, we all do now, right? We all have stories from that day. And I just, I, I like what you said, just be better. Yeah. Think these things through. Yeah. I don't know who gets final say on it, but there's probably, and I, I never considered that. I just figured it was a Twitter feed, but that probably a tweet like that probably had to go through a whole bunch of approval lines. And you know what? That it got that high and went through is amazing to me. Yeah. Were you were you on the team when Hitch took us to the Pentagon? I was. Yeah. That was yeah. a trip. I mean, I remember that trip. Yeah. And I was I, mean, I hung out with Hitch the entire because I know he's like that, he's got that history buff. And I just kind of wanted to get kind of his his take on it. I remember writing a story about it. And that was you want to talk about another really emotional thing. And that, and they had already rebuilt by the time we got there. It was five years. That was two that was two thousand five, Anthony. Yeah. yeah, the fall of 2005. Clarky knew Bob Clark knew the general, right? That had had organized the trip for us. And I remember they 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 finished up the reconstruction of the Pentagon, right? We saw right. that wing where right. it happened. That's the problem. That was really where my ire was drawn from that tweet was because of those things that we'd seen right. and the efforts made by people on the ground. Uh, I mean, and I saw their faces, the 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 poverty of what they were going through. You know, the pain. Um, that's why it was an ignorant, dumb tweet. Yeah. All right. right, So let's get to something that that might also be ignorant and dumb. And that's a little bit of outrage that I've seen on Twitter. And then I actually um, in one of the press conferences recently was the the Chuck Fletcher and Brent Flair um, conference. There was a question asked that kind of embodied something that has been on Flyers Twitter for a while. So I figured maybe we should talk about it. And Bundy, we we have not previewed this on it. It's something that Anthony and I have talked about, but I want to get your immediate reaction. So a question was asked in the press conference. Do you have um, the exact question? I have it if you need it. Go ahead, Ant. You okay. you go ahead. So this question was asked to Chuck Fletcher at his press conference. Uh, this was on uh, Tuesday the 14th. One of the themes this offseason, it seemed like, was getting quality veteran guys on relatively reasonable contracts to fill out the bottom of the lineup. Essentially, at least on paper, you're filling spots that maybe had they not been acquired would be given to prospects or young players. There's obviously going to be a lot of competition at this camp for the young guys to essentially beat out those types of guys for spots. Are they going to have to play dramatically better than the older guys because the older guys are established? And without getting giving the long answer that Chuck gave, the first two words he gave were, yes, definitely. Well, yeah. I mean, so, but the, so here's the other issue. So you paid, but you, but you paid the veterans already. Right. Right. Like they're coming in on guaranteed contracts. So, I mean, uh, you have a cap issue. Is is this where you guys are going with it here, guys? Like, I mean, there's no, there's no scenario unless a guy comes out and you find out that Morgan Frost has all of a sudden turned into Wayne Gretzky. Um, it's going to, he'll have to really wow people. Yeah. Because there's guys and same with the defensive spot, right. With York, yeah. Like he's a guy that, you know, I, I know is going to have a good future in this league, but the, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to really play harder to get over three new guys they brought in in the summer. And there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's almost what that's, you want. 
that's exactly right. That's exactly where they aired last last year. This is the thing that we talked about the first episode that that Bundy was with us in a full time role. Last year, they went into the season putting too much onus on too many young players to play critical roles for the team. And they failed. And a number of those guys who were relied on and sucked are gone. And actually, one of them also hasn't signed an offer yet uh, by his West Coast team, which is really swell. No, I'm Patrick, man. You hold out. You hold out, fella. You go get you. Go get some some serious money because you sure should have done a lot in the NHL to uh, warrant anything more than a qualifying offer. Hey, have fun, fella. God bless you out there in Vegas, uh, Vegas Golden Knights fans, because, um, well, that's a that's a catastrophe. But anyway, they relied (laughs) on too many young guys last year. And now all of a sudden it's like, why, why is there outrage? Like, do we know for a fact that Cam York would come in here and be an impact defenseman on day one, or that Morgan Frost is going to come in and look like a younger Claude Giroux? Do we know that? No. If they're marginally better than the veteran that has been brought in to replace them, then why would that even be a question? Like, I don't understand the thought process other than just needing something to get triggered about on Twitter. Like it doesn't make sense. Right. And especially with it, with a veteran coaching staff, like, of course, they're going to go the vet route. Why wouldn't they? Well, I listen, I mean, I, whether he says it or not, and, and, you know, I know Anthony has a little bit of history on, on AV and stuff, but this is a guy that let's face it. He's not a guy who likes younger guys per se. He might ha- might've had to play them more than he wanted to last year, but something tells me that he put an order in through the GM, Anthony. And I think that that's becoming abundantly clear that like Nate Thompson, mm-hmm. right. Why did Chuck not bring Nate Thompson back the summer that he did a good job? They still needed one of those guys to do that cleanup on aisle five job for the fourth line. Mm-hmm. The fourth line last year was, was terrible for all intents and purposes. It didn't bring any physicality. It tried to be a scoring line. I hate to say it, but you do need a Nate Thompson type of guy that penalty kills, takes shots off the foot that you don't want your top guys doing. Uh, so again, you know, but he wasn't here. So AV was forced to play and it looked almost some nights. I'm not going to say like, you know, it looked almost like, okay, this is what I got. Here you go. Go out on the ice and go for it. Because mm-hmm. that's what I have to work with. And it almost looked like there was a look of him on the bench sometimes that was suggesting it. Like, you know what, I'm not going to win with this. Go ahead out there. Now he's got his veterans in that I think he can trust and believe in. And if he did indeed put the order in and went to the GM and said, hey, I need this to be better. This is the kind of players I want. But it sure looks like perhaps that happened. Well, it's and, also and- fair to... Well, there's it's no, fair it's, to point out that he's he's done a good job with some of the young players that he's had to rely on. Like Joel Farabee went through one stint where he's been put in the doghouse, seemingly. And other than that, has been put in in solid opportunities, has been given a, a great number of opportunities to prove his worth as a top six forward on this team. Even look at the end of last year, like Wade Allison was brought up. Wade Allison wasn't just relegated to, you know, 13th forward duty the entire, you know, right, right. End, end of the season. Like... <laughs> If a guy shows that he's going to play that 200-foot game that Vigneault talks about all the time, if he's going to go in and bust his ass in practice and he's going to bust his ass on the ice in games, Vigneault's not going to look away from him because he's a young player. But at the same time, it stands to reason that if a guy isn't doing all of those things and is young and hasn't built up equity in the league or with this coaching staff, Vigneault has no reason to go out of his way to bend over backwards to put one of those guys into a, a top six roller in the case of like a Morgan Frost to to plug him in immediately as the three C until he's seen something that actually indicates 
or could potentially be indicative of success in the league this year for a team that really is effectively trying to win the cup or is at least giving every indications that they are trying to go in to win this season. What bothers me about this question is that, you know, those of us who write about the team or talk about the team, as much as we like to try and keep ourselves out of it, most, you know, in most cases, we are still influential when it comes to formulating opinion for the fan base. And so when you ask this question and then you turn it into, uh, well, they really should be given, you know, this isn't right for the young players, Cam York, Morgan Frost, these guys need a better, more of a chance, blah, 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 blah. This automatically turns the season into Derek Broussard is terrible. Nate Thompson is terrible. Keith Yandel is terrible. And they're going to be the most hated players on this team. And they're going to be destroyed by the fans on social media and everything else. And it's going to be frustrating because they don't deserve that off the bat. Now, look, if they play poorly and, and they're really not good, then go ahead and criticize all you want. But to, to put them into that boat before we've even stepped on the ice for training camp, I think it's, an, it's irresponsible. It's irresponsible. How, we don't know more than the, than the coaches and the general managers do. We could sit here and, and, you know, that's what our job is, is, you know, to entertain and, and discuss and, and, you know, share our thoughts and opinions, but we, we could be wrong. I mean, it, it, it's okay to be wrong, but to, to kind of just sit there and, and put these guys on blast for something that they've not done at all to turn them into the next Andrew McDonald's in this town who Bundy, you can attest to probably got more abuse than he really deserved. I mean, he wasn't a great defenseman, but this town destroyed him. Um, money. You know, money. They because of the money, money, right? Yeah, he got, he got a lot of money on Homer's watch. Yeah. And Homer wanted to get some stability, but he traded for him, right? No, but he did. He got, I mean, Andy McDonald got flayed in this town. Yeah. You know? And he wasn't, but the funny thing is, guys, if he was making $2.2 million, he would have been perfect for this team. Right, right? exactly. So he, right. got, he got judged on his contract, and that's that's not fair. That's right. Not- and it's, and, but I think that's what I'm saying is that this is not going to be fair to these guys. They're coming in already being judged, not having, not having played even one game for the team. And I think that that's wrong. So let's play the counter to this really quick. Okay. What if conceptually the reason that Fletcher came out and said, yes, they will have to drastically outplay the vets is to light the proverbial fire under a Morgan Frost, a Cam York, any other, you know, fringe player who might, conceptually make the the team or have a shot to make the team like last year it felt like it was a an an open call anybody in the organization who wants to make the opening night roster is free to do so and if you at least show that you have a a heartbeat and you can play within the system you have a chance come on down kid have a have a cookie but here the way that the expectations i think have been drastically changed and the way that the front office has talked about this offseason and this upcoming season and the way that the coaching staff has has approached it and the way that some of the players have on social media it makes makes it seem like the expectations are raised isn't chuck fletcher just doing the right thing in this situation like if the goal is to try to motivate players to give them that extrinsic motivation then shouldn't this be exactly what we expect yeah, and I, and I think it's a good thing, too, to push a young guy. I mean, it, it's certainly if I were a young defenseman right now coming in and I, and I felt like I – and you know if you're on the inside or you're on the outside. I would uh, absolutely – if I were, you know, Cam York right now, I'd feel like I'm on the outside. 
and I have to try to crack through, even though I got a game or two last year, uh, I would have to find a way to be much better than Keith Yandel right away. He'd be my target. If I were, if I were York, I'd have no other target. I would make it really hard if, he, if he's able to do it for them to say, geez, we, we have to make a real hard decision on a veteran. I don't think that's going to happen because I think AV's had Yandel before. They went for a run to the finals, right? One year when Lundquist was really good. Um, so he's been there for, for that. I, again, I just think that after the experience that probably the coaching staff went through last year with way too many young guys in, in big time moments, I, I, I think it's going to take some kind of absolute incredible run by one of these young guys to knock someone off their perch. So that's the way it looks to me anyway, coming in. And if Chuck is saying that, yes, you can motivate the younger guys to do, to be better, to say, Hey, you're going to have to be one of them. But I'm not sure that even if they, if they have that kind of a, a training camp that they're probably not going to start the season in the minors anyway. I think that's, that's probably a good. I think it's probably a good place to stop for this week, guys. Yeah. Uh, we'll obviously be ramping up our efforts as training camp starts. We'll be tweeting out from our accounts and from the Snow the Goalie account, things that are developing down at camp. Try to get as much video as we can up on social media. Try to get as many pictures, behind-the-scenes things as we possibly can as well. Uh, I know that they're still limiting to some extent the number of media that are allowed down there and are allowed um, access to, I guess, what they're at least what they're doing for rookie camp is having a specified number of players go into the media room. One person per outlet can go in and ask questions. There's going to be some Zoom questions. It's going to be great. We're all looking forward to it. What actually happens for regular training camp, we don't know. It remains to be seen. But it does sound like we're going to have better access this year than we did last year, which is greatly appreciated. And we will be sure to continue to bombard your social media channels with as much Flyers content as we can as we ramp up for a season that, in fairness, should be a much more successful one than last season. So make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at SnowTheGoalie, Facebook.com slash SnowTheGoalie. Go follow Bundy on Twitter at Cetarian6. Follow Anthony at AntSanPhilly. Follow me at Joy on Broad. We'll have a, a delightful time, guys. I think um, I think it's going to be a good year. I think it's going to be agree. a great year, guys. I've had fun three episodes in already. Good energy having you back today, Russ. Me and Anthony handled it perfectly last week. But listen, <laughs> I'll tell you guys this on the side, too. I have good rapport with a lot of those players. So if you're having trouble getting down in that locker room, just give me a call. I'll make sure we get them on the side privately. It's all good. There we go. That's I perfect. thought you were going to volunteer to come down and knock the door down. Like That would have been a... <laughs> Why would a really great that? moment. Why would I do that when I can just call them when they leave the rink? Well, hey, how'd you like to come on our show later? <laughs> what a good point. Sure. No what a good point. By yeah. the way, we have uh, Anthony's really big on the five-star reviews. I am as well. Who doesn't love a good five-star review uh, with their morning coffee? Uh, we got a new five-star review in the past week. We'll read this one out now, Anthony, because it'll make you smile. This came from Jeff K16, who says five stars. A great show just got better. I've been a fan for a while, and the addition of Bundy finally motivated me to provide the five-star review that's been well-earned. The show is always entertaining and always informative. My only constructive criticism is for Ant. Just kidding. It's for me. No, it's for you, Russ. <laughs> I, I read this. Given how strongly you feel about your spot as the premier Flyers podcast, you don't need to constantly talk about it. Actions speak louder than words. Keep up the great work, guys, and really looking forward to your coverage of what is sure to be a very exciting season. Awesome. Great stuff. Great. Good stuff. Really good. I like it's, it. Thank you. Yeah. It still doesn't get the shtick, but that's all right. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't get your shtick, Russ. That's it's right. not quite as, I mean, it's, it's pretty on brand, but it's not nearly as bad as when somebody DMs me on Twitter saying that I'm mean to Anthony. 
if you only knew, I got to tell the you, abuse I, got, I so, take. I, you know what? I'm going to read person. this. I'm going to read. This. I'm not going to say who it's from, but Rush, you know who this is from. Okay. Um, this is the guy who hates you, but and DMs me all the time. The he one who doesn't to- have the one who doesn't have an avatar on Twitter. Yes. Gutless coward. <laughs> he sends me this. Hey, Aunt, Bundy's tremendous. Pulls no punches. What a great and breezy chat. Ho- uh, great, breezy chatting hockey between you and him today. And sorry to say, Russ's nonsense was not missed. Not even a little. <laughs> Jesus, that's Twitter, man. Like, Jesus, that unbelievable. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I don't even know how to react. It's just at this point. <laughs> skip my part. Hit the hit the 15 second skip on your podcast whenever my voice comes on. You'll be fine. You can watch it all over on. I, I believe the plan going forward is going to be to put the video of the podcast on YouTube over on the Crossing Broad channel. So, hell, if you need to, you could certainly do the little scrubber Johnski and you can skip through every time you see my mouth moving. But until then, you know, you're kind of you're kind of stuck. Anyway, a big thank you to to uh, Jeff for leaving that five star review. Big thank you to that person without an avatar for DMing Anthony to complain. God forbid. Just DM me. We'll have a, a lovely chat, by the way. Um, we are working on a few things. Um, I believe we're going to be working on some things for this season to get out and to meet some of the fine folks who comment and follow us on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram. So keep your eyes peeled to the social accounts for that. And of course, we'll talk about it on the show as well, but, um, really looking forward to this season. I think it's going to be a blast and it'll be nice to have some good flyers hockey back. We'll talk about plenty more next week, but for now, Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, wherever you get them. Subscribe to the show. Let a friend, let a family member know about Snow the Goalie. We'll be back for next next week. So for Ant, for Bundy, I'm Russ. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.